Hello, I'm Pommy Harmer and you're listening to the second podcast of Follow the Sun. I'm with Marian Mente, who wrote the book, which presents the sequence of the zodiac as a story. In the last podcast, Marian told me what motivated her to write the book and she explained a little bit about the elements, along with the significance of the sun, the moon and the ascendant in a person's chart. So make sure you listen to that episode so you can follow the story and get the most understanding from it. In this podcast, Marion will be reading chapter two, which takes Aries into the realm of Taurus. And later on, I'll be asking her about the planet Venus and also about the yin and yang of each sign. So welcome, Marion. Welcome back. Hello, Pommy. Nice to be back. Tell us about the characteristics of Taurus and why you've set Taurus in meadowlands or farmlands, if you like. I suppose this is because Taurus is a bull, is that right? Well, I suppose it's a natural association, bulls and fields, but more because Taurus is a domain of Venus, the planet that's associated with beauty and the senses and appreciation of these. And although the bull is a masculine figure, the energy of Taurus is yin, it's feminine, and it's receptive and passive, and its element is earth. Um, it's the second sign, as you say, it begins mid-April to mid-May and it has a fixed quality about it and it represents establishing roots, cultivating that which has already sprung to life, as with Aries. Um, it's spring in bloom and it also has associations with the throat and the neck and the thyroid, the voice, music and the arts. Um, Taurus is creative, productive and strongly Taurian types are concerned with the fruits of their labours of abundance and wealth. The spirit of Taurian energy, when it's expressed positively, is it's very sensual, it's musical, creative, constant, it's patient, protective and enduring. And when it's expressed negatively, it can be self-indulgent, obstinate, possessive, materialistic. And in extremes, it can be sybaritic and, and avaricious all to do with the Venusian and the earth elements of it all. It's because of this sensual appreciation of the fruits of the earth's bounty that I felt uh, a natural habitat in the story for this sign would be fields, meadows and orchards. And because Taurus is a yin energy, I've introduced Taurian, the bull's companion, to establish this feminine element. Taurus enjoys the contentment that comes with a certainty about who you are and what you do, unlike restless Aries, who is a searcher. And the flip side to Taurian sensuality is, as I've said, that it, it can be complacent with a stubborn resistance to change. And these are Taurian traits as much as a liking for the good things in life. Thank you, Marion. So before we hear you reading the chapter about Taurus and how Aries is in his world... Let me just bring our listeners up to date with what's happened so far. So in the first chapter, we find Aries trapped in a crater. He has no memory of how he came to be there or any knowledge of the wider world ahead. He knows only his name and his burning ambition is to go forward. His restless pioneering spirit was set free by the event of an earthquake, which enabled him to climb the towering boundary of his realm. And for the first time in his recent memory, he sees the sun setting on the distant horizon. Determined to follow the sun, he descends the hill to reach the meadowlands below in the realm of Taurus. However, the bull does not welcome this intrusion.
The First Encounter Taurus was jolted awake by the dawn thunderclap that had spurred Ares to make his escape. He had been blissfully dozing under the spreading branches of his favourite oak, which stood in the heart of the Meadowlands, below the hills which kept the headland from view. Being so rudely awakened, he'd made up his mind that such a bad start was portent of a bad day. To compound his view, this morning's rendition of the dawn chorus had been less than spirited, and his green pastoral realm looked drab under the brooding skies. Loath to rise off his warm patch, he remained under the shelter of the oak, resolved to stay put until at least lunchtime. The storm gathered fury, bowing and tossing the staunches of trees in its wake. He winced to hear the splintering of twigs as branches thrashed above him, and being of a practical nature, began to estimate the number of nests that might be abandoned or destroyed. His calculations filled him with unutterable gloom. He deeply grieved any damage to his trees, for Taurus held a strong affection for the natural beauty of his realm. He cherished the land around him and was a possessive protector of his terrain. His sense of loving ownership was such that he looked upon every blade of grass, every petal on every flower, every leaf on every tree as his very own, very personal property. This was his domain. His agitation was increased because only yesterday he had held the final rehearsals of a new choral arrangement for the dawn chorus. Desertedness meant he would now have to make alterations to the score and adapt his own accompaniment. Moreover, the birds had been less tuneful lately, dropping notes, singing in the wrong order, falling into petty squabbles about positions in the choir, all in all reducing a creative achievement into an irksome task. If these disruptions weren't enough to incur his displeasure, the elements played further havoc with his placid temperament when the deluge of rain ruined his plans for lunch. Now, Taurus enjoyed his food and rarely lacked appetite. Indeed, his penchant for rich tastes often led to overindulgence with occasional indigestion. A creature of habit, it was his custom to visit the pasture at midday to enjoy a leisurely lunch in the company of Tori Anne, his true companion. He felt at one with her gentle yet no-nonsense nature, so in keeping with his own. Always reluctant to part, their lunch was invariably followed with a stroll by the stream which meandered gently through his orchards and meadowlands. The sound of rippling water never failed to inspire a song as they ambled in concert, his soaring tenor complemented by her dusky contralto. However, the fierce storm had cooled his ardour and he now resolved not to budge one inch until the day had improved. He was at his most stubborn when disgruntled. Not alarmed by the bolts of light, he felt secure in his domain. The hills gave protection against the worst of the elements, with the veins of light earthing on their rocky tips or amid the taller trees in the neighbouring forests of the Gemini. The serene vales of Taurus lay undisturbed by the dynamic forces of nature. Made miserable by the inclement weather, he turned his thoughts to music to cheer himself and began to hum his favourite aria. 
Its melody captured the sensual climes of warm sunny days lazing by his stream, swaying to the rhythm of the birds and bees, caressed by a languorous breeze. And musing on pleasurable times, he opened his throat and let the chords flow. Crack! Boom! Crash! His reverie was shattered. The ground creaked and moaned and trembled under him as a roar of crashing sounded from the direction of the hills. Shocked to his feet, he glared at the towering boundary of his lands. Spellbound, he watched as plumes of smoke billowed up from behind their rocky tops, then witnessed the very tip of the tallest, Great Tor as it was known, crumble and disappear from view. Every sinew in his body was taut, though strong and sturdy, Taurus disliked the unexpected and avoided the unknown. Oh, precious oak, let my senses deceive me, he gasped, wanting this horror to be a bad dream, to doubt what he had felt and seen. Until this instant, he'd borne a profound faith in the fixed nature of the earth. No matter what changes to the air the elements might bring, the ground itself was solid and constant, like himself but what he now witnessed threatened all he held dear. He stood staring at the hills for a long while, his senses keen, listening for sounds of further disaster and deliberating the consequences. Would the hills disintegrate completely and worse? Was there an army of marauders preparing to charge his boundaries, to lay his meadows bare? Brooding over such dismal thoughts, he hastened to check on his beloved Torianne. Ushering her to a safer pasture beyond his orchards, he ate a hurried lunch before returning to the meadow with the beginnings of indigestion. Resuming his post under the oak, he decided to sit tight and wait for signs of further danger. Taurus now realised with great certainty that whilst his was a passive spirit, he would, at all costs, protect and defend that which he deemed his own. The rains continued, though nothing more seemed to stir. He pondered the rumours he had heard via the bird songs. These had vaguely told of a creature, or creatures, he couldn't be sure, living behind the hills, where the landscape was rugged with bracing air and choppy breezes. Oh, it all sounded rather bleak to comfort-loving Taurus, nor did he desire the acquaintance of those endowed with the nature of such a place. They were bound to be challenging. However... He'd been sceptical of the rumours, since the birds seldom told anything first-hand, and their reports were invariably tailored to suit their own tune, with titbits of local gossip here and snippets of general news there. Being the messengers across the realms, the birds believed that the gists of their various reports would be understood by those to whom it was relevant and ignored by those to whom it was not. Hitherto, Taurus had been content to mainly enjoy the melodies, ignoring irrelevant or obscure lyrics. As was his way, he doubted their inhabitants behind the hills because he'd never had any tangible proof of their existence. And before accepting anything as a certainty, Taurus had to see it, hear it, smell it, taste it or touch it. Nevertheless, 
Despite his scepticism, being cautious by nature, he'd kept his boundaries up to scratch. In view of today's traumatic events, he felt his diligence was justified and made his way to the briar to double-check its defences. By the time he'd finished his inspections, the rain had stopped and the evening sunlight cast a rainbow onto the dark clouds behind the damaged hills. At other times, he would have composed a song to this splendour of nature, but not today. He was feeling far too fussed and fed up to give a second glance. Reassured that his head was intact, he returned to his spot under the boughs of his cherished oak to keep a vigil throughout the coming night. Being of a leisurely nature and peace-loving temperament, he dearly hoped there would be no invaders. Stubborn he may be, for once a decision was made, it was made and not unmade, but fighting was not his thing. In the fading light he dozed a little, failing to notice the dark figure swiftly descending the hill above his meadow. Already annoyed because of the unexpected occurrences, the bull's sour mood inflamed to rage when first he heard, then actually saw a stranger leaping about on his territory, munching avidly on his grass. How many more would follow? His worst nightmare was coming true. Usually slow to anger at this moment, Taurus was taunted beyond endurance. Lowering his horns, he focused on the intruder. Hunching his broad shoulders, he took a deep breath and charged. The desire to toss his quarry back over the briar was absolute. When Ares became aware of the pounding thud stampeding his way, Taurus was all but upon him. With lightning responses, he sprang aside, letting the intrepid bull pass like a rolling boulder. Taurus skidded to a halt and wheeled around, blood boiling at missing his target. Barely pausing for breath, he made to charge again, but to his astonishment, the ram's horns were just a heartbeat away from his face. But off, fatty, countered the ram, pushing against the nose of his assailant. Unlike Taurus, Eros was roused to anger in a flash, especially in defence. Nor was he one to be intimidated, no matter how big or powerful his aggressor. Fighting was definitely his thing. Fatty! Taurus visibly steamed. Words failed him, and a red mist of anger flared before his eyes. He pushed the ram back and then swung a sideways jab. Out! he bellowed as his fearsome horn sliced the air. Ares swiftly jumped clear, butted the bull's hind's quarters, then stood defiantly awaiting the next move. Taurus advanced again and again, furiously jabbing at his quarry, but each time the ram dodged aside, skinned the bull's flanks and taunted him with rude remarks. He was revelling in the clash, a chance to show his mettle. Butt off! You canna win! You're too fat and I'm too fast! Followed with, been stuffing yourself too much? And worse, greedy as what you are! For the second time today, Taurus felt at a loss. First, those dreadful earth tremors, and now this insulting, challenging upstart. He was loathing this altercation, but in no way would he be moved. The ground would have to swallow him first. He blinked hard, trying to clear his vision of the red mist that flared when he was cross. First, he must calm himself. Then he would skewer this intruder and thrust him through the thorniest brambles back to where he'd come from. 
Summoning his self-control, he curbed the urge to bellow, which would alarm Torian, and spoke in a low voice, heavy with the threat of his wrath. This is my realm. Mine. You will not take what is mine. Out! He advanced on the ram again. Ares stumbled as he stepped away, barely managing to avoid this assault. I don't want your smelly what-you-call-it, he belched. He'd eaten too quickly, the grasses were repeating on him, and after the traumatic events of the day, he was beginning to feel drained. Smell, just leave. Now! Taurus began pounding the ground he had gained. Undeterred, the ram drew himself up to his fullest height and with a resting self-importance declared, I am following the sun. Following the... Are you potty? Taurus was dumbfounded. Whatever excuse or explanation he'd expected, this wasn't it. Potty? Uh, I am Ares, survivor of earthquakes and a free ram. I leave at sunrise. Earthquakes? Taurus glowered at him. The red mist subsided. His outrage at the invader's arrogance was diminished by this dreadful proclamation. Ares felt shifty under the penetrating gaze and was prompted to explain himself further. I was trapped behind the hills. You should have seen it. Ground groaning and splitting, ripping apart. He gouged an angry rut through the grass to demonstrate. Smoke and flames blasting up from deep pits, hillsides collapsing. Resisting the urge to turn around and glance back, he pressed on. Rocks and boulders flying through the air. One cracked me on the head, knocked me senseless. It's dangerous back there, but I survived and climbed to freedom. His vivid report was having a profound effect. Taurus knew it had to be true. He'd felt the tremors, heard the crashing, seen the smoke. At length he spoke, but had difficulty forming the words to ask the unthinkable. Hmm, uh, are you saying, <clears throat> are you telling me that, uh, well, uh, what I mean is, uh, am I to understand that your realm has been completely destroyed? Comprehending such a catastrophe turned his anger to ashes. He shuddered. Will this happen to him? Will there be more earthquakes? Lifting his gaze to the orchards, he gasped. Homeless. He tried to order his thoughts. He must get practical and form a plan to safeguard all he... Realm? Broke in Ares. I've told you there is no realm or whatever you call it. Just rubble and smoke and... His voice trailed off as he called to mind the veiled glimpse of hills beyond the collapsed wall of the crater. But perhaps he'd imagined the vision, had been seeing double after that bang on the head. Or whatever. He didn't care to think about that now, or to explain himself further. It was pointless. He had left that crater never to return. He was moving on, and was weary with this inquisition. Oh, I'm tired, he yawned. Must be away at first light. Places to see, far to go. Taurus slowly shook his head. Though relieved to hear it was Ares' intention to leave in the morning, he now felt sorry for this fellow. Surely it would be more sensible to salvage something from the ruins, to rebuild rather than traipse the land exploring. 
He decided Ares was definitely potty. I think that blow to the head has affected your judgment, he said sympathetically. Where are the others of your realm? Still on his guard, he listened for sounds of further company. But there were none. Ares' temper rose again. He really disliked what he considered were useless questions. There's only me, he barked. Go see for yourself. I need sleep. And turning abruptly on his heel, he started towards the oak. I'll bed down under that old thing. It hadn't occurred to him that he was trespassing. As far as Ares was concerned, this confrontation was entirely the fault of the other fellow. Hold up, boomed Taurus, starting after him. He might be prepared to give this hay-brained shelter for the night, but not in his cherished spot. Did your manners go up in smoke too? Ares stopped in his tracks, braced to fight again, but Taurus had a kindly expression as he drew alongside. It seems we are, or rather have been, neighbours. The towers of Great Tor stood between us. They both glanced back at the broken hilltop. Its misshapen silhouette looked eerie under the rising moon. Great Tor, repeated Ares absently. The name struck a chord, but he couldn't think why. Uncomfortable feelings stirred again, as they had done with his vision after the earthquake. Ah, oh, why had he looked back, he questioned himself. It wasn't worth it. Taurus sighed heavily, dispelling the moment. Let's start again. You, I gather, are Ares. I am Taurus, and you are in my realm. Ares gave a brusque nod, acknowledging the claim. Not that he cared too much about ownership. He just wanted to rest. But he did ask if there were many more realms before reaching the forests he'd seen from the hilltop. He was told that all the land between the hills and the edge of the forest belonged to Taurus, who went on to further describe his pastures, his grain and vegetable fields and his orchards, and about the variety of foodstuffs and his particular favourites, indeed about all the beauty of the earth's bounty that flourished and fruited in his realm. Ares liked the sound of the bull's voice, thought it rich and melodious, with a leisurely soothing tone, and now he was being friendly, and he was much enjoying the bull's descriptions of his realm. Oh, there's so much here, so much more than where I've come from. It's good to be free, he said. Good to be free? Hmm, I wonder, responded Taurus, a little perplexed by Ares' attitude. By all accounts, he just lost everything, had nothing, and was on some absurd mission about goodness knows what to goodness knows where. What could possibly be good about that? He blinked at the moon and the bright evening star, his constant companions in the night sky. It's good that you are safe and well, he continued. And now we are both clear about who and where we are. In the circumstances, considering your dreadful loss, I suppose it's only reasonable to offer my hospitality. After today's disasters, we can both use a good night's sleep. But not here. Follow me, please. He smiled, emphasising the courtesy, and feeling once more in control, Julie led them across the meadow to shelter in a small copse beyond the oak. 
As they walked, Ares also began to relax, enjoying the lush surroundings. He also conceded that while his shoulders were robust, Taurus was in fine shape with trim haunches. You're not really fat, he proffered by way of an apology for his earlier remarks. No, agreed Taurus amicably, but you are really rude. But, no buts, thank you. And they both laughed at the pun. At last the day had improved. The sweet fragrance of night-scented stocks filled Aerie's senses. Contentment flowed through him, a sensation little known to his restless nature, and he was glad to be ending his first day of freedom in such agreeable comfort. Taurus settled himself nearby, gazing dreamily at the waxing moon, happy that the night was still and peaceful, as it should be. He felt comfortable again, able to sort his thoughts concerning the day's events, hoping that earthquakes, like this strange neighbour, only came in ones. Gently wrapping his tongue around a tuft of meadowsweet, he chewed lazily, reflecting on what little Ares had explained about himself. Wants to explore, he mused. There's no better grazing than here, he said aloud. But his guest was sound asleep. The night passed uneventfully. The promise of sunshine put them both in good humour over breakfast, and Ares was persuaded to stay a while. On spotting the unusual visitor, a number of birds flew in close and sat down, curious to hear all. Ares was fascinated. He remembered no birds in the crater. Oh, they're so pretty and chatty, he laughed, playfully chasing all in his path. Mm, they're also a bit gossipy, grinned Taurus, as he watched Ares darting to and fro, the birds flitting away and teasing him. Be careful what you say and do, and went on to explain that the birds carried messages across the realms. The land was fresh and green with bursts of colour from swathes of yellow daffodils, blue and white daisies and blossoming fruit trees. Taurus introduced him to many new tastes, smells and sounds, but not his companion, not yet. He didn't want her upset by Ares' vivid account of the earthquake. Being protective, he would tell her a little of what he had learned over lunch, then perhaps invite the newcomer to join them on another day, provided all remained well. New sights and sensations fueled Ares' ambition to explore, and he asked what lands lay beyond the forest. Taurus told him there were a number of realms beyond, to the west, but that he didn't know a great deal about them, since he'd never had any urge to venture. All I need is right here, he said. One's realm is where one's heart is. In fact, he felt nothing could entice him to follow the sun, as Ares was bent on doing. It's all very well springing headlong into places, but I feel it's essential to put down roots, to establish where you belong and what belongs to you, he remarked advisedly, hoping this tearaway might take note. Ares didn't share this sense of belonging. He wanted to see more of the world before deciding on his place in it, so they agreed to disagree in the matter. However, Taurus felt it was worth prompting him to brush up on his manners. I recommend you make your approaches in a friendly fashion before you start helping yourself to another's grazing. Ares grinned and said he would consider the point. Taurus then went on to tell about his immediate neighbours, the Gemini. 
They take care of the forests and lead very busy lives by all accounts. I hear their music through the bird song, as they will hear mine. Otherwise, they're quite different from me. Oh, different? How? Oh, well, they live at the top of trees a lot of the time. Not my thing, he replied dryly. But they don't bother me, and I don't bother them. Each to his own, I say. It's the best way. He heaved a sigh and then continued. However, that being said, in view of this awful disaster and your plans to explore, it would be useful if you made some investigations on your travels. Ask if anything strange has happened or is happening in the other realms, or apart from you turning up, that is. (laughs) He gave a short laugh. But seriously, something is definitely wrong somewhere. Ah, I'd sensed it in the birdsong long before you arrived. Something has been creating discord for a while, and I'd like to know more. The Gemini might have an answer. Oh, I'm a great investigator. I'll head for the forest now, enthused Ares, turning to run. Relax, drawled Taurus. What's the rush? Take it easy and leave tomorrow. Tonight I'll throw a small party. We should celebrate your visit and your freedom. And I'll invite the choir. Taurus always welcomed occasions to share fine foods and good music. But I'll lose a day's travelling, complained the ram, who wanted to be off immediately. Taurus patiently persuaded him that it was good to be leisurely and tempted him to linger with promises of more new flavours to be savoured, not to mention the delightful company. Besides, it's practical common sense to make fresh starts first thing in the morning, not halfway through the day. He felt that Aries' way of barging about his business was quite unnecessary and likely to cause indigestion. The light of a full moon spilled over the meadow and Aries looked wide-eyed at the banquet before him. Taurus had a store of exotic provisions gathered from all parts of his realm and tonight he'd pulled out his stocks. Torian, always gracious and warm, welcomed Ares, introducing him to the flavours of honey and cream. As they indulged in the sumptuous dishes, Taurus was eager to share his potent meads he distilled from the grains and fruits of his orchards. Eating and drinking freely, Ares soon became intoxicated and, being in such congenial company, danced with merry abandon to the stirring sensual music that Taurus composed for Torian. Though enjoying the revelries himself, the bull kept a close eye on the antics of his frisky friend. Albeit a generous host, he didn't want this adventurer getting too close to his nearest and dearest with his alarming reports of destruction and madcap ideas of exploring. But all remained in good spirits and fine voice and the party went with a swing till the small hours. Taurus awoke a little later than usual. Bleary-eyed, he looked about, but seeing no sign of his newfound friend, he set off in search. Ares had been up since sunrise, eager to get to the forest. But by the time Taurus had reached the far side of the meadow, he could only glimpse the ram running in the distance. Following the sun, he grumbled, squinting at the disappearing image. He'll burn himself out. Potty. He was feeling disappointed that Ares had left as suddenly as he'd appeared, and without the manners to at least say thank you and goodbye in a proper fashion. Rude, 
he complained aloud, sinking into a bed of forget-me-nots, humming a plaintive air. He mulled over the recent unsettling events and Ares's preposterous quest. He wondered how the Gemini would take to him and surmised that his talkative neighbours were bound to bring more to light from Ares concerning his realm and its terrible fate. Also, given the greater number of birds in their community, there was hope that they knew more about the birds' tuneless goings-on, perhaps even the cause. In this matter, he mildly chastised himself for not taking the trouble to speak with the Gemini sooner, but then, oh, everything in its own time, he sighed, forgiving himself for the lapse. Let's hope the investigator sends a sensible report. As he settled, he considered the effect Ares had had on him, and greeting a bluebird that had sat down beside him, said, He bounded in on a storm, won my heart, then off and away, free as the breeze. I will compose music to capture this theme. Yes, Ares' nature has inspired and energised me, he smiled. He began putting a few notes together, excited by the challenge of such an arousing music when during his composing he sensed a hush fall over the meadow. Pricking his ears to the unnatural silence, he sat very still, anticipating more earth tremors. Then he saw her. The eagle circled low overhead before swooping westwards. The meadow breathed again as she soared away, but Taurus remained uneasy. Sight of the eagle, rare though it was, unnerved him. She came from Scorpio's realm in the distant territories and would perch on the top of Great Tor, scrutinising the landscape in all directions before heading off as swiftly and silently as she'd arrived. He would always feel the intensity of her gaze and it raised a sense of excitement and danger in him that he found disturbing. But today she did not tarry on Great Tor. She had flown only around his domain and with great urgency. He now felt his apprehensions of change more keenly, anxious about what news would arise from Ares' visit with the Gemini. But come what may, I will not be upping sticks to explore. I will take stock and rebuild. His vow was adamant. Feeling better for making firm resolutions, he relaxed a little, the sun warming his back. A bee buzzed lazily past his ear and the sound of soft lowing beckoned from the pasture. His thoughts drifted to hazy days by the stream and the memories of a summer breeze. Hmm, he sighed in deep contentment. May pleasures remain constant and surrendered to dreaming again. Ares had been resting in the shade of a hawthorn when the eagle had passed overhead. For the present, at least, they were unaware of each other. At first his overindulgences at the party had slowed his pace, but as he traversed the land he became aware of the nature of Taurus's realm was also affecting him. He'd become content to stroll rather than run over the rolling countryside, occasionally lingering to admire a pretty patchwork of fields or to inspect a flower-filled hedgerow, even once taking a paddle in the clear running waters of the stream. He'd gained a deeper appreciation of his senses in this realm, but while enjoying these sensual pleasures, the leisurely lifestyle couldn't tempt him to remain. At heart he was a pioneer and needed action, 
and unlike his host, he relished the challenge of the unknown. However, he was faced with more than a little frustration when he eventually reached the Briar boundary on the far side of Taurus realm and tried to exit the Bull's territory. Here there was no rise in the terrain to give him sufficient lift to leap his height as there had been on his descent of Great Tor. Deciding to spend one last comfortable night, he heeded Taurus' advice about fresh starts were always better in the morning and after indulging in a hearty supper, slept blissfully till dawn. He woke full of energy and enthusiasm, determined to find a way to break through the barrier. He tried to ram his way through but suffered sharp barbs for his efforts. Ramming proved too painful and pointless against Taurus's defences. Sitting to ponder the problem, his gaze scanned the obstacle before him. When then he spied a chink in its defences he'd been hoping for. Low to the ground was a small opening where the brambles grew less dense. With what little patience he'd now grown able to muster, crawling on his belly, he carefully inched his way through the thin mesh of thorny tendrils and fairly unscathed, he emerged on the outskirts of the forest. That was Marion Mente reading the second chapter of her book, Follow the Sun. So Marion, we spoke of Mars in the last podcast. Tell me a little bit about Venus. Yes, well, Venus is the goddess of beauty and love. I mean, she's known as Aphrodite in Greek mythology. And the placing of Venus in, in one's chart by sign and house and aspect gives a key to understanding the individual's ability to achieve harmony or the urge to do so by all forms of affection, beauty, art, music and the possession of lovely things. It signifies our general ability to attract these things as well as artistic talent. Venus in Taurus usually gives an attractive speaking or singing voice and a strong interest in the art, especially music. As well as Taurus, Venus also rules Libra. So would that mean that Librans and Taurians are united in very, some way? Very compatible. They they would share their, you know, those sorts with strongly, as not Taurus, Taurians and Librans per se, but if one's got a lot of Taurian energy in their chart, who meets someone with a lot of Libran energy in their chart, they would be very compatible. They, um, they probably would have a great, you know, enjoy the arts together. All right. So you've also described Aries as Yang and Taurus as Yin. Now, this is new to me. I, I have not I've not heard about the signs described as okay. Yin and Yang before. So it seems that the signs alternate in this way. Why is that? OK, yeah, well, most of us are familiar with the terms Yang and Yin. I mean, it's like night and day. You have to have one or the other. And the signs do alternate in this way. Yang meaning positive, initiating, outgoing, masculine. Yin meaning inward-looking, passive and receptive, like the feminine. Um, Or feminine, if you like. They, They put that to feminine. Well, because, you know, we are feminine. Women do receive but women also have yang of course aspects of course as well. they do but but you have to differentiate between a feminine element and a masculine element without personalizing it yeah okay 
Yeah. So in and in astrology, this polarity of yang and yin, it's got two meanings. Uh, one is expressions of the type of energy available to us, in and also in terms of attitude or choice on whether to opt for an outgoing or passive course of action towards an experience. And it's you can work out quickly whether someone is more of a yang energy or more of a yin energy by totaling the number of planets one has in either a yin or a yang sign and it gives an understanding how the overall personality is expressed for instance a predominance of yang placings indicates a readiness to initiate and partake of immediate experiences while a predominance of yin placings indicates a greater emphasis on feelings with the need to examine and evaluate experiences in relation to self more caution so both are important, aren't they? Well, they're equal. No one is any more important than the other. They're just an expression of different modes of action. And if you had got almost no young influence at all, could you do something about that? Um, well, you know, we live our lives. It's, it's not that you could do something about it. I mean, you would probably be caused to think during the course of your life, oh, I need to be a bit more assertive there, otherwise I might lose out. So I think as we grow, this is the value of growing and knowing these things, that, you know, there will be some elements in the chart that you can draw on that can make you a little bit more assertive about things. And some people who are overly yang and perhaps overbearing soon find out that they need to calm their act down a little bit if they're going to get on. So it's quite informative, isn't yeah, it? It's it not is. telling you what what you are and that and that's just fixed forever. It's indicating where where you have some resources and where you might struggle a bit. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest value of astrology in looking at it sort of looking at yourself in this way. You can sort of separate yourself out into different elements, but one has to relate to it personally, not just what... It's of no use just listening to what your astrologer might be telling you, as they're telling you accurately. It's no good until that information is really digested and used by yourself, for yourself. So what we're talking about here, Marion, is completely different to reading your sun sign in a newspaper, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yes, uh, because you have to, because as you said before, that really only concentrates on the sun aspect. And as I've said, whilst the sun is the vital, the biggest for large, I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the for the sun, the whole solar system. But it's not the only thing in the chart, in one's personal makeup that has importance. Okay. All right. I, I think I now understand a lot more about yin and yang, which is great because that's that was new to me. Thank you, Marion. You've been listening to the second podcast in the series Follow the Sun. Look out for our next one where Marion will be taking us into the third sign of Gemini. This is a story based on the sequence of the Zodiac, so make sure you don't miss out by subscribing through your favourite podcast provider. Follow the Sun was written by Marion Mente. The podcast was produced and presented by me, Pommy Harmer, and this was a Black Pearl production. Listener.